What's up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 47 of Flip Screen Games Podcast, a weekly video game podcast where two best buds from different nations come together to discuss the wide, wide world of video games. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my very good friend and co-host, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, Steve. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? You know, I'm 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 doing all right. It's been uh, it's been a bit of a tough week, but I'm excited because I feel like this is going to be a fun episode, right? You know, we're going to be talking a little about, about a little bit about what we're playing. We got some great questions in the question block. It's basically a mailbag yeah. episode here, and we got some fun topics to chew on today. So I think I think this is going to be one for the history books. So I'm I'm excited to get into that. Should be a good one. Yeah, there's some really great questions. I'm looking forward to the the talking point. I've been giving it some thought. And my mind just keeps going round and round in circles as to what I would want to do. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get to it. I have a couple ideas myself. Um, but uh, yeah, I am very excited to talk about all of that with you today, Stephen. But before that, let me remind you that this episode of the Flip Screen Games podcast is brought to you by our Patreon producers for the month of June. They are Christian Oliveria, Christopher Valenz, Gabriel Hasselmeyer, aka Sobi, Mary Berry, Smilky Shake, Wakahula, and Zaid Ida. Thank you all so much for your support over on patreon.com slash flipscreengames. You're all the reals to the real, and we appreciate your support of this fine program. Uh, we've got a bunch of other Stuff you can get over on that there, Patreon. If you want to become a Patreon producer like they did, you can get your name read on the air. You can get early access to this and our sister show, Nintendo Noise, and access to our exclusive Patreon podcast, One More Thing, where Steve and I keep the mics rolling and chat about uh, you know, what's going on in our lives. It's a good time. So if you want to go and show your support that way, that is, of course, greatly appreciated. But if you don't have any money to toss our way, that's, of course, not a problem. There's a bunch of ways you can get involved. Head over to flipscreen.games. That's our website where you can get links to our Discord, uh, our social. You can write into the show questions at flipscreen.games, just like everybody did for the question block this week. However you choose to get involved, however you choose to get in touch, we appreciate you writing in, we appreciate you being a member of the community, and we appreciate you tuning in for this week's show. So here's here's my question, Steve, right? I'm, I'm of two minds here. We've got quite a few games on this What We're Playing list, and I'm like, do I want to talk about these games? Yes. But we have these great questions, and I really want to give them their due. I'm thinking we start with the questions and we maybe we push what we're playing to the end of the show. See what happens. Sounds good. Yeah, if we don't get, get to it, we can talk about it next week. I think that's the way to go. All right, so we're going to jump into the question block. This first one comes from... Now, I did this last time, right? Was it Scroobicious that we decided it was, right? That's or well, I think it's Scroobicious. That's what like I think, delicious. too. And I asked, but, but we never got but they've, clarification. They've not, yeah, they've not clarified. But they wrote into the show. Yeah. You know, they sent us stuff to the know. PO box. So I feel bad not you know, knowing. They, they asked, as well as this question, they asked an off-topic question to me just on Twitter because I posted a picture of some pizza I made, <laughs> and like I had it with garlic mayonnaise. Okay. What do you dip your pizza crust in? I don't. If dip anything, it. I don't. I'm not a dipper, but I'm not like a big condiment guy. You know, like oh okay. I I, I will dip. You know, in, in the the pro, like you know, like uh, I, you know, I like a good hummus. You know, like uh, there is, I'm not opposed to to dips. Oh, hummus per se. with some pizza's great, great, right? You know, um, but like when it comes to uh, like chicken, right? Like I don't do barbecue sauce with my nugs or anything like that. I take them straight up. You know, oh no, that's so dry then with that. Okay, not if fair enough. Not if they're cooked well. well. You want the crisp on the outside what? and the and the you know the the good nice yeah. well cooked chicken on the inside. But the boot, the boot shapes like you know, it's angled to get like. You're not wrong. You know, but I want correct the correct amount of sausage on there. And I think the sauce <laughs> it makes it too wet. You know, it adds a moisture. Uh, you know, I'll go for a crunchy plain one in between. It's like a you okay. know palate cleanser. So have some sauce, or I need that crunchy taste from a from a plain nugget. And I respect back it. To the sauce. Not for me. It's not how I roll with my nugs. But you know. People, everybody's got that's that's why you know different jokes for different folks right mm-hmm. but anyway we're gonna say we're gonna go with scrubicious until you tell us otherwise okay bud or we could just say scrub but that feels mean you know <laughs> anyway 
Uh, Scrivicious wrote it and said, how do you guys play video games in general during the day and what games do you prefer? So this is, I was thinking about this, this is like probably a good conversation to have 47 episodes in, right? Because I feel like if you listen to the show regularly, you know, but if you're a new listener, maybe you, maybe you don't know, right? Maybe you, maybe you need a little bit of that kind of, uh, that, that boilerplate, like what kind of games do we vibe with, right? So yeah, figure we'll, we'll go uh, yeah, but I also feel like it changes on a regular basis. Sure. And the type of game I play also changes by device I'm playing on. That's true. Like, I'm probably not... I'm probably, if I'm booting up the PlayStation, playing this big single-player blockbuster experience. If I'm playing on the Switch, it's probably going to be a Nintendo game that's a first-party Nintendo title or an indie title that's sure. the works great on a handheld. Yeah, so it definitely I, depends. The game depends. I, I definitely am similar in that way, of course. And I, I think it's interesting because I definitely don't think that's the norm. You know, like I think more often than not, right? Like I think people gravitate towards certain types of games, but I think you and I are both pretty... I think we have a fairly wide palette, right? Like we each have genres that we don't vibe with and we stick like steer clear of. But I think we both are open to more kinds of games than not, you know? Like I am like certainly not like, you know, I wouldn't call myself historically a huge first person shooter fan, right? But like one of my favorite games of the year last year was Halo, right? I, Halo I Infinite was great. Yeah. Love Far Cry uh, three and four. I was excited I mean. for, oh, and I was really excited for Cyberpunk. But I, I'm not one that goes for like a competitive shooter. Right. But if it's a good single player experience in first person, then I'm even, more than willing to to give it a try. Even that, I broke my own rule on that. I usually don't like that kind of game, but I really liked Overwatch. You know, for like two years, right? So it's like, yeah. and then I kind of fell out of that. And it's you know, it's I, I feel like. There are a lot of genres that I like and I gravitate towards, right? Like I love RPGs, I love open third person open world uh action games, you know, like uh, there there are certainly things um like that that I keep coming back to, but I think and I feel similarly in terms of like pretty much any medium, I am constantly in pursuit of a well-balanced diet you know it's like i don't want to only play one kind of game and i i often find myself going from like oh you know i i just beat this big you know triple a game that took like 40 hours or i beat this jrpg that took 100 hours and then it's like i want to play a bunch of indies and like i want to try a bunch oh of yeah different you need something smaller after that definitely cleanse. something smaller after that you yeah. know yeah yeah and, and like you said it comes down to device in a big way too where it's like you know sometimes i'm in the mood for something like you know like at night right like i like to play on handhelds and play things that are like tactical and a little slower and like things that are more turn-based and things like i, I love doing that in the evening you know and and those are great games to play, turn-based games, when you're watching TV as well. It's like a second... The TV game. Second screen device, the TV game. Of course. They're, they're wonderful to play because you, you don't really have to concentrate as much. You can watch what's going on on the TV and then you can dip out to like do your turn and then come back to it afterwards. And a story-heavy game when you're watching something else and there's a lot of dialogue is no good. So that definitely varies as well. Yeah, and like but sometimes I like I like to play something that's like very, very gameplay oriented because I'm not interested in like I don't feel like engaging with the story and I just want to keep my hands busy and like that's gonna lead me to a different kind of game. Yeah, no, I was thinking about this. Do I prefer story driven games or gameplay oriented games? Because they were talking about gameplay versus story on this week's triple click. And and I think I like both equally. And I think some games both work well together. Some games is very much very clear that it's story focused and sort and gameplay kind of takes a bit of a back seat. And some games is like gameplay's the focus. Like I think Elden Ring tries to be both, but I just don't care about that story. I think it's crap. So the the gameplay of that is what hooked me. It's what got me in, and it's what I stayed around for. Elden Ring is interesting, because I think it's one of those... It's very similar to me, uh, in a way, to, like, Breath of the Wild, which is, like, not a novel comparison. Everyone says that. But I mean, like, specifically in the way that it tells a story, in that, like, 
I don't like the story to Elden Ring. I have been largely turned off by it um, with my limited experience with the game. Um, and I didn't feel that way about Breath of the Wild, but I'm Breath of the Wild f- story- I'm going to buy you a filled, a filled finger. That's what, this is going to be your wedding present. <laughs> don't get me fingers. That's so gross. Um, but the the thing that I think is similar, because like Breath of the Wild story is not anything to write home about either, right? But like they, I think they're both, the story comes from the way that you explore the world and express yourself through gameplay and exploration. And like, it's, it's the stories that you tell with yourself along the way. Yeah, you know? it's the stories you make, which is exactly yeah. what Todd's pitched Starfield to be, right? Like, yes, it does have this mainline Bethesda Game Studio style story in there. But really, it's the end game stuff and the stories that you're going to create by like saying, oh, I went to this planet. I found this. I encountered that. Have you found that? Like seeing how people took down certain enemies and things in, in Breath of the Wild, like how they shot that guardian like last minute when it was coming for them or like got parried with the shield at the perfect moment or managed to flurry on the Lionel. Like there's so much cool stuff in the in those games. Everyone was sharing clips and snippets and things like that. It it was so so fun. I love it when stuff like that happens. Agreed. Yeah, it's yeah. I, like the the games I play very wildly, um, and I think at the moment, and probably a lot of it is biased because I've got I got a Steam Deck, and it's like a new hot toy, right? I find a lot of my gaming is being done handheld again. For for a long time, that's how I was. Um, with when I first got the Switch, it was like, oh, I'm, I've got a handheld device again. But I was working in an office back then, so I was te- I was taking it to work and I was playing in, on my lunch break, and that was great. But then as I transitioned to working at home full time, I was playing handheld less and less. It was only for those like TV games when you know my partner's got the TV on, or I want to watch something, but I also want something to do with my hands, so I'll play a game. Um, and I'm doing a lot more of that again with, with the Steam Deck. I really enjoy it. Like I've got four guys installed on there, um, and runs beautifully and I'll just have something in the background while I'm playing because it's just huh? running for That's not what you said in the Discord. Doesn't, does on Steam Deck, doesn't on Switch. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought the other part of this question was interesting too. Like, how do you play them in during the day? Like, I, I don't know about you, but I find like I have kind of like three phases in terms of like when I actually play games, right? It's either like uh, there's like the, the, I guess four technically. There's like the rare when I'm really, really invested in playing something and I'm like constantly thinking about it and like I'll just steal away whatever time I can, right? So it's like, might be on the lunch Yeah, that break. was my Metroid Dread weekend. It was like, yeah. I'm just not going to stop playing this game. I'm just going to play it all the way through. It was great. Yeah, and like that, I think, can... Like, the weekend mode is like a whole other thing when you're just like, all, like I'm going in a gaming hole today, right? Like, I'm going to play video games for six to eight hours and be in a mm-hmm. cocoon and not talk to anybody and just engage, right? And like, that's always kind of my favorite way to play, honestly. Like, I really love long sessions like that and like just really immersing yourself in the experience. Um, but I think the most common way that I play is definitely the after work, after we're done recording and I have a couple hours to myself between, you know, finishing that stuff up and going to bed. And it's like, I spend a good amount of time in the living room either playing you know, whatever game on the main TV or doing the handheld thing with something on. Um, But that I usually don't really do downstairs. Like, that's usually more reserved for... Unless I am playing, like, a a game that's, like, a TV game as my main game at the time. Um, That's usually reserved for, like, nighttime for me, where it'll be, like, you know, my partner and I go upstairs and, like, you know, like to, like, kind of wind down a little bit, right? And, like, soft mood lighting, you know, like... I'm playing something on the the Steam Deck or the Switch or maybe playing, like, Magic the Gathering on my phone or something like that. You know, she's, like, on TikTok or playing, like, Logic games. She's, like, very into puzzles and stuff like that. Um, and, like, I'll have, oh, like, you know... Oh, you've got to play the uh, the Escape Room game together, then. That's that would be fun. Not play yeah. That with her. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think, like, those are kind of, like, the major modes for me, you know? And it, but, like... I guess there's also like the content side of things, which is like a whole other thing, right? Where it's like you play oh, yeah, games like, totally differently it, when you know, you're doing it. You know, it's great when you like, but when you find a game that you love that you can also stream yeah. all the time, like with Elden Ring, that was the main reason I was like 
able to play that game so much was because I was streaming it all the time and it was like killing two birds with one stand. I'm having a great time with this game and everyone seems to be enjoying watching it. You ever going to finish that game, you think? I'd like to. I really would like to. Um, it's, It's a long one, though. You gotta get back. You said it's like one of your favorite games of all time. You gotta beat it, you know? Mm-hmm. You gotta beat it. You, you like, started so many big games this year, got, like, 75% of the way through, and then you're like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's, uh... Oh, did I lose you there? You, you back? I'm here. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, let's jump in the next one. Uh, this next one comes from uh, Eddie Road Dog who wrote in and said, what's up, Ed? How you doing, brother? It's been a while. Uh, He wrote in and said, what is the future of DICE as the studio had confirmed that they will only be working on Battlefield going forward? What about series like Mirror's Edge? So this was one of the bigger pieces of news this week. Uh, DICE has announced that uh, they'll only be focusing on Battlefield moving forward, and um, their studio head said that uh, we're only focusing on... I'm sorry, it's uh, this is Rebecca uh, Kutaz, who's the new studio's new general manager. Um, and they said they'll be focusing solely on Battlefield 2042 moving forward. And uh, they said, there's no time for anything else. This is what we want to do. In three years, we want to be the first-person shooter powerhouse that DICE deserves to be, and that is what we're going for. So I think... This is an interesting one, right? So to take it back to Ed's question, kind of, you know, what what is the future of DICE? It sounds like the future of DICE is really focusing in on Battlefield and trying to make Battlefield a proper, you know, the proper competitor to Call of Duty that I think it, it wants to be. And it has occasionally flirted with, but never quite cemented itself. It was itself. for a while, like the Battlefield 4, Battlefield 1 era. Like those two games in a row, they had two hits, and then 2042 came out, really terrible launch, and then like kind of had its lunch in by Halo Infinite. It was really not great. Yeah, uh, I I felt really bad for the for the developers, but it it doesn't seem like it's really improved all that much. I've got a, f- a friend who's a massive Battlefield fan, and he's been really disappointed that um that they've not put put really the content that people want and expect in these live service games into the into the game at this point. And Dice Dice obviously did do Mirror's Edge, but I feel like that was an edge case for them. Uh it's really been Battlefield and Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront that's been the two the two games that they've they've really focused on. So I'm not surprised that they've come out and said this. I feel like everyone saw them as the Battlefield studio anyway. And the studio that that gave birth to Frostbite for all of its um, pros and cons. Cons, let's be real. <laughs> terrible <laughs> Truly terrible engine. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised by this. You know, it, it, it just kind of like makes sense when you really just like think about it. Um, you know, I think like when you look at the games that they've been making, right? Like since 2005... Really, I mean, a little bit before that, I guess, because Battlefield's been around since it looks like uh, 1942 was the first one, right? So that would have been 2002. And I mean, since then on, the vast majority of their output has been Battlefield, right? Mirror's Edge was in 2008. We didn't get Mirror's Edge... uh, catalyst until 2016 and, you know the game famously did not sell very well you know and catalyst it's i mean the original mirror's edge didn't sell that well but it was critically acclaimed and it was like a cult hit and it was a game that people begged for a sequel we finally got one it didn't really land you know it, it got mixed reviews and it you know it was just not it, it it never it never hit it never found the audience that I think the folks that really like it uh, wanted it to, and you know that's just that's just a tough place to be right like it, as a a triple A AAA studio there's not a lot of space for you to be putting out stuff that's like middling you know it's like why develop another Mirror's Edge when we've put out two Mirror's Edge and you know neither of them lit the world on fire. The second one 
wasn't even well re- very well received, right? Like, how many people are out there clamoring for another one versus the huge audience that exists if you get Battlefield right, you know, and you can actually be, you know, yeah. uh, an alternative to Call of Duty, which is one of the most popular games in the world, you know, and especially with all the negative press that Activision Blizzard has right now. I think if Battlefield... And if you could be, like, on the off years as well. Like, yeah. Call of Duty is taking a step back and a break. Right. Then we're not getting another Call of Duty next year. They've confirmed that, right? But if if that is the case and 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 uh, EA can get their, their ducks in a row and get a new Battlefield out on those off years, then they have a real good chance. But I, I feel like people were shocked about it because it's, it's weird hearing a developer saying we're focusing on one game. But I... It kind of made me think, we let some developers, like everyone seems to be happy with some developers focusing on, on a solo game. And then other other developers, we seem to want a wide variety of things from them. Like someone like 343 only does Halo. Sure. They were set up just to do Halo. Playground games, yes, they're going to be doing Fable, but up until now they've only been known for Forza Horizon. And... Uh, I think I think it's fine to f- focus in on exactly what you're good at, yeah, and like hone your skills and put out games that people enjoy and come to expect from you. I I think that I think that that as a concept makes a lot of sense when you're specifically talking about studios that focus on like multiplayer stuff too. You know, like it. <clears throat> there is, uh, I think, something to be said for like a studio like. You know, Naughty Dog, for example, right? Where it's like, oh, like, well, I don't really want to see them just like do Uncharted or The Last of Us anymore. Like, I kind of want to see them do something new, you know? You know, you want to see them be working on that next idea. And I think that when you're talking about single player stuff, like, that is kind of the vibe. Whereas, like, with something like, you know, um, Battlefield, it makes sense for the team that works on Battlefield to support Battlefield, right? Because. They want it to be a platform. They want it to be a game that people play for years and keep coming back to. And, you know, they they want to, um, you know, they want to be in a position where the main thing that their studio is known for is a very successful franchise that they can keep going back to and building on and and build up that, you know, that that um, that credibility, you know, and, and I think that there are a lot of studios that. That's what they do, right? Like Psionics, right? Like is like they they do Rocket League. That's their thing. And yeah, maybe they might make another game eventually. They but what you know, it's like that's their flagship product. Or even like even like studios that focus in on a niche, right? Think about like Harmonics. They were the music, the rhythm game company. Sure. And that's all they did. Now they make you know music for Fortnite or whatever. They're just a support studio and it's really sad. But yeah, I I see no I see no issue with it. Yes, it would be nice. I think if the developers want if if the developers weren't coming out and saying this is what we want to do, and it was like being put in a pigeonhole like Activision did, right? Activision turned Toys for Bob into a support studio for Call of Duty. I can't imagine the developers there really wanted to work on that. That's probably not what they signed up for. They probably came to work on Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and 3D platformers and things like that. Right. But if it's the developers saying themselves saying, yes, this is what we want to do, we're really excited about it, then then that's that's only a good thing. I think if, if they were coming out and saying, oh, we, we've got an idea for a Mirror's Edge 3, but there's no time for it right now, then I'd be concerned because I would like to see what they, they have. Yeah, but I also think that, like, <clears throat> there is something to be said, I think, right, where you come down to the fact that, like, you know, publishing games is a business, right? And you can't, you can't make something just because it's like, oh, it would be cool to make another one, right? Like... No, but like, look how profitable. Look at how well the Tony Hawk's remake sold. Sure, and and it was just like, okay, we're closing that studio down. They're gonna just work from on. Yeah, to me, that's different though, right? Like, it's like it's different to because, like you said, right? It's it's one thing to take a studio that's been built to successfully make a type of game. They've shipped that type of game. It's been successful, and then to gut it for parts and make them go work on something else. That sucks. But like battle, the Battlefield studio being like, yeah, we just want to work on Battlefield, and like Mirror's Edge didn't really 
hit and that's not it's you know it's it, there's no future there right and, how many people who worked on mirror's edge are still there oh, that was a long time ago you mean the original yeah like yeah. the original or the re or the sequel like that's a long time I mean, the sequel's even, only like, it, that's only like two years six ago. years though was it was it 2016 you said was it yeah oh maybe you're right yeah either way um, that's a good point too, right? Like the folks that wanted to make that kind of game, right? Like I would imagine anybody that's gone and gotten a job at dice in the last, you know, whatever, five years or whatever, right? Like you, you are going there cause you want to work on first person shooters, right? Well, it's it's like, like going and getting a job at IO and then you're surprised that you're working on a game like Hitman. Sure. It's like, like that's what it's we do like, here. That's what, that's what you signed up for. This is yeah. the type, type of game we make. So I, I think with that in mind, right, there are some studios where it's like, I think all you want them to do is be like, what's the next create, like, you know, like Double Fine, right? Where it's like, cool, like, what's the next thing, right? Like, what, you know, maybe, yeah, Psychonauts, cool, come back to that. Like, I, I'll, I'd love a Psychonauts 3 if that's what you want to do. But it's always like, what's the game that you're most passionate about making mm -hmm. and that's the game I want to play? And, like, I think for studios that work on annualized franchises or that make games that are a platform like it makes sense to become the studio that like you know we want to be a premier s tier first person shooter studio that's what we're trying to do that's the kind of talent we're trying to attract that's the kind of culture that we're trying to breed here right and like you know i think i think that's that's fine like that's ultimately a good thing for battlefield and for battlefield fans you know and i think if you're the type of developer that like is like, oh, I don't want to just work on Battlefield. Are you really at dice? You know, like, so that's, I think in this situation, probably a fine, probably a fine thing, probably a positive thing, uh, because dice, you know, I think it's fair to say dice has not really like been hitting lately. You know, like they've had, a, no, like, it's just surprising because they, they were really putting out some phenomenal games. Yeah. I feel like they were one of the first to introduce like ray tracing into their titles with that first Nvidia. Oh my god! RTX like, card, like how beautiful it was like Battlefield Battle Four. Yeah, yeah, but it's like you know, like both Battlefront games had their fair share of controversy and problems, and yeah, know, like, like the whole pay to win thing with the second one that was not great. Yeah, and it's, and, and obviously with twenty forty two, just not have like severely lacking in content and having a terrible launch. Not, so it's not good. With that in mind, I would say I think hopefully, right, to, to put a pin on this, Ed, the future of DICE is what they're saying and that they can get their house in order and become a studio that's capable of putting out, you know, S-rank level FPSs that that community is, is ready to bite down on and, and really come back for. But because um, right now I feel like they're a studio that, like, doesn't have a super strong... You know, their, their flagship thing, their identity is Battlefield, and Battlefield is in a place where I don't feel like folks are happy with it. And, like, that's not where you want to be. You know, you can't afford to be in that position. So, all right, let's jump into this next question. This one comes from Springheel Rick over on the Discord who wrote in and said, uh, as dicey as DLC is, what classic game can you think of that could have needed it? Not a remake, but what if right now someone went ahead and made DLC for an old game in that style? Which one would you go with? I would choose Comic Zone or Altered Beast. This is a really fun question. So if you could add, yeah, and it's really tough DLC retroactively to any game, because that's the thing, right? Like I'm thinking, like I want to consider in what are we considering retro? Like, because that's where I that's where I have to. Well, he said old game. So I would say any game, any game from previous generations, I think is is fair play. Like as a kid and probably still now, I'd have loved DLC to be added to like the very best Mario parties, like 4 and 5 back on the GameCube, like additional boards with the mechanics that they had with like the the candy or being able to put things on the board. It was really fun. Those Hudson built Mario Mario Party games were like top notch, um, and I also feel like some of the games that were put out in the past probably could have been DLC levels at this point. Like going back to like Sonic, Sonic Two, Sonic Three, like Sonic Two. Oh, now you can now we've added Tails in. Whoa, they had that they made some additional big changes to the they, engine. They, no, you know they had that like additional cartridge right where you it was like the. The one that went on top of the Three other and on the Mega Drive. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, like, the three and knuckles That's would DLC. be, like, the DLC. Like, they did the DLC, but you had to buy, like, an extra bit for it. And it went on and then went into your thing. Like, that was DLC, but on hardware before DLC existed. Crazy times. Yeah, I think um, a couple came to mind for me. I think Tony Hawk could have been a cool thing, right? Like, I could see them doing, like... Um, kind of the hitman thing right where it's like oh it's all the levels from the past game made in the new games engine they would do that oh sometimes God, yeah. where they would have like secret unlockable levels and it would be like oh it's school from tony hawk and now it's back and you know so like i think something yeah, like that, that would be great I, I also additional characters i think would always and they be always good. had like, the cool unlockable like- ones because like in tony hawk's pro skater 2 they had spider-man in 3 they had wolverine and in, in underground they had um uh iron man and like it would be cool to have like all those i think darth maul was in four it would be cool to have all those characters like in one roster you know and like not having to pick and choose from game to game and thing like that and i think I could have also uh, done with it maybe for some of the old Pokemon games because they always had like pretty good, robust. Uh, I mean, not always. That's not fair to say. Um, they often had good, robust post game stuff, and I could totally see, you know, like uh, doing more of like the gold and silver thing, where like, oh, you beat the game, and then like you go and you can like go to the region from the original games and like go battle all the gym leaders and like time has passed and everything looks different. Like that's something that I think people would go nuts for, right? Like if you could just be like, okay, like the, you beat the game and now you're a champion, like travel to this region and go do beat their league, travel to this region and, you know, and just kind of like have the game keep going and building on itself. Like, I think that would be a really easy, cool thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I also think fighting games were, uh, would be a perfect thing, right? Tekken, for sure. example. Like, bring in all the characters and all of the levels. Like, they've done with Smash, for example. That's why everybody loved Tekken Tag back more, like, in the day on the PS2. Crossover. It was just, like, every character, and you're like, oh, this is the best. This kicks ass. <laughs> and I had the... Like, I would have also loved it for that. You know, remember those stupid, goofy dance mat things, like, for DDR? They were, like, those... They were, like, roll-up material. And so it felt like you were were standing on, like, a bunch of paper and plastic bags. Downloadable songs for that would have been so good. Like, Microsoft did it with with Lips. Do you remember Lips with their karaoke-like microphone? Oh, that's so gross. Lips. (laughs) (laughs) And they had like download downloadable song packs on the Xbox 360, so I thought like they could have done could have done something like that. Yeah, I do remember that. Ugh, it's gross. Lips. <laughs> <laughs> That's just it's no good. I don't like that at all. Uh, so I, yeah, I think that's all I got. Do you have any other ones that you can think of? Not, not really. Like, I also feel like I'm not a massive fan of DLC on the whole. Like, it's That's very why rare. I'm trying to think of it more I, like I expansion packs. You know, of like yeah, when and it's like, like they a, existed a for like the games I really wanted. Like Diablo Two got an expansion pack. Age of Empires got an expansion pack. Like a bunch of other PC games used to get them. Like they were a thing. The expansion packs. Then they kind of went away. And they weren't a thing on consoles up until, like, the Xbox 360 generation, I don't think. Yeah, weird. Yeah, that's when it, like, really started in earnest. Like, we had, before that, it was... Yeah. You just get, like, whatever, you know, the expansion that was, You like, got what's oh, on the okay. disc, and if that yeah, if there's, like, a new version that they want to put out, then fair enough. But I don't think they ever did that. I don't remember them doing it anyway. But I remember buying DLC on discs. Like, I've got a, a copy of Shivering Isles... Um, for Oblivion, the expansion for yeah. Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion, on a disc, and it comes with like all of the DLC for the game. I, I feel like uh, the, the best example of those. It, it still works on the Series X. No, it doesn't. That's it crazy. Does, yeah, it downloads the DLC. That's awesome. On the Series. That's X. awesome. Uh, the I think the example that always comes to mind for me is like the Sims expansions. Like that, that was like such a like well, yeah. you know, it was like it was just a box copy of a second of like a new game, you know, and like 
you know i remember well, like, world of warcraft did that as well yeah right? and then yeah burning crusade and everything it, and, yeah. and i remember um god that was a pain in the ass back in the day i remember like you when you would like install it on a new computer it'd be like okay let me get my old world of warcraft discs and install the base game Ugh. and then install burning crusade and it'll take like 500 years but i did it can you imagine installing like the sims the sims 4 or something now and like all of the expansion packs and stuff that you've got to got to go through and, I can't, and download I can't, it's and gotta install. be so like, huge yeah yeah because um, I remember some of the expansions they did. Sims One, they were fairly like just like, oh, here's some additional things for your house. Some, some of them were crazy stuff, big, right? Like, there was like the Make It but Magic Sims, one. Sims Two, it was when it got really big. There, like you can now go into the city. Now you've got pets. Now you can like there was nightlife. Do you remember there were some of those in you could, like, Sims One out. though. Because like that the, was Sims One. Yeah, because like because the uh, Make It Magic one was you'd basically go to like a, you go to like a fucking wizard like world and you could get like a dragon egg and i remember you'd have this little baby dragon and like mine like killed the mailman i think and like yeah you could like go to this whole other map and like there was like a lot of stuff like that even on some of those and i think there was the downtown romance one you could like get extra dates and things like that and there's a bunch of them so officially there was living large or living it up in europe house party hot date where you could go downtown and go yep, out on a date i remember that one and you had an you had an inventory and you could give gifts to other sims with a revamped relationship system including short and long-term relationships yeah man huge vacation deal. which oh, was called vacation on was holiday. good i remember that <laughs> yeah i remember that one too i think pets was one um, of them too right Unleashed was pets, added dogs and cats that could be treated as sims rather than objects. Uh, and it introduced gardening and expanded the original 10-lot neighborhood to 40. Superstar, you could become an entertainment figure uh, and had representations of famous personalities. And then Making Magic, which was the one you were talking about. That was like my... You go to a, a magic town. <laughs> that was my favorite one. Because I remember I, I did the cheat so I could have the big mansion up on the hill and I made like a like a monster's family basically and they were all like witches and they had like a dragon and like a weird werewolf dad and like I don't know I forget I forget what all the different stuff was but <laughs> it was it was fun I made it as like spooky as possible. You know the craziest offshoot of The Sims was the herbs, which I really loved the herbs, dude. <laughs> I had that on PS2. <laughs> came out on yeah. It was so weird. And like, you want to be friends with the Black Eyed Peas? <laughs> yeah, music by the Black Eyed Peas that was translated into Simlish. Like, I think that was. I think that was the first time they had done that, where they had real artists do it, because they they did it. Like, <laughs> Katy Perry did it at one point too. Like, I mean, yeah, I think there's a couple artists that have done that now. Good That's God. so funny. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a fun one. Yeah. It's a good question. Uh, so we're gonna move into our talking point here. So this this one uh, came from uh, Skaxophone over on Twitter, who wrote in and said, uh, "You're given an infinite budget and tech support by a studio of your choice to make your dream game. What studio? What is the game?" So I I'm interested to talk to you about this, Steve. I have a couple ideas here, and I'm interested to to see how you interpreted this question. So, like, your quote-unquote dream game, is it a game that you, yourself, are coming up with, like, a new IP? Or are you making a dream game in another franchise? Like, how did you... Uh, I, I saw it as, like, a new game, a fresh, a fresh idea. Okay. And not like, oh, I'd really like Fallout 6 made by Obsidian. Okay. Because I have... Two pitches that are like that, and I have some okay, ideas. Okay, well, let's hear them because I've got like, I've got hardly any idea for like a game. I feel like if I had an idea for a game, I'd have made a game, and and like that's the problem. <laughs> Steve, we gotta make a game. I got ideas. I just can't code. I tried. I can't do it. <laughs> uh, so, um, all right. So yeah, I'll start with my my ones that were ideas for existing franchises and we'll, we'll start there so my first idea was i would love to make a um i would love to make the pokemon game of my dreams and the two studios that came to mind f for me 
um, were Atlas and Intelligent Systems. And Intelligent Systems... I I feel like so many more studios would have the technical prowess to make the game. How do you mean? Like, I feel like those studios would capture what you want in terms of gameplay and story and, like, aesthetic. Yeah. But I just... I don't know that they are, like technical studios see i mean that's the thing though i don't care about that right like i don't think that's what pokemon needs to be better but i, I really know i but i feel like i feel like a big thing a, a big part of my, of a lot of people's issues with the latest pokemon like i'm talking about legends is the fact that it's it's got technical problems sure like i feel like other than that like it's a fantastic game it just needed additional polish and probably a team with more experience or more time to come in and help out. Yeah, but see, that's my thing, right? Is like, I don't think that either of the studios I just mentioned have that problem in their last games. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't look at uh, Persona 5 Royal and be like, oh yeah, like this game needed more technical prowess, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, yeah, like maybe like, you know, it, it could run at 60 FPS or whatever locked, but it's like that game was also built. It does now. Yeah, does right. Now. And it was built with the PS3 in mind and everything. So it's like, you know, I don't think it was like a lack of ability, right? Um, yeah. And I well, I mean, maybe it's a time thing because they were working on that game for a very long time. Right. And... And they've had like now another four, five years since its release originally. Yeah. And and now they're putting out another next gen. It's now been on three generations of consoles, just like GTA Five. Yeah. So it's like it's it's when's the next one coming? Hopefully soon. I mean, hopefully we're getting the announcement at that (laughs) the concert event later uh, this year. Um. So that that's the thing, right? And in this scenario, I have infinite budget and tech support. So like I'm in a I'm in a yeah. perfect scenario to make the game however I want to make the game. And I feel like same thing with intelligent systems, right? Where it's like anything that you could point to about Fire Emblem that could be better, I would say you could probably chalk up to either like hardware or time. Yeah. Yeah. Because the game looks good. But you've got to, I feel like you've got to pick one studio though. Because Andy's question was tech support by a studio. I mean choice. here's the thing, right? Like intelligent systems had assistance on fire emblem like maybe they collaborate all right if i have to pick one i'll pick atlas okay um i i think they could both nail it but essentially i picked that team right because that's basically what i want right is i want a pokemon game that is you know a deeper turn-based strategy system you know and and that's already like the thing that's great right is like it already works that's already the the cream of the crop i think really all you'd need is them to have good difficulty levels right and that was something that persona 5 royal at least um, i didn't play five to completion did really well where like there was like the punishing difficulty which i i forget might not be called that but the hardest difficulty right i really enjoyed and i thought it was really challenging and it made me think and there were a couple fights i really had to like work hard for at, at certain parts of the game um and i would love to see them bring that can you switch the, the the difficulty in real time in that game because that was my main one of my main gripes with four golden if you once you pick the difficulty at the beginning it can't be changed you can change it mid-game i don't think you can do it i think you have to do it like after like in between yeah, when you're like the social bit not in a dungeon i think if you're in a dungeon you can even change it but like it'll be like after you wipe or, like, if you're not in a fight. Right, like, okay. mid-fight, you can't yeah. be like, oh, I'm going to turn this down. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's um, fair. Just to, like, finish him off at the last minute, yeah. Yeah, but, like, if you're, like, having trouble with a fight, you can knock the difficulty down. Um, that's my memory of it anyway. Um, but that's, like, the thing, right? Is, like, what I really want, I think, in a Pokemon game, aside from just, like, difficulty levels and, like, all those kinds of basic things that I think people have been asking for for a long time is... I do want a game that's really, really rooted in story and that, like, is something that, you know, uh, has, like, multiple character, like, supporting characters and, like, a narrative that I'm really excited to go through and, like, you know, having, like, um, you know, a social sim element maybe and, like, you know, having, like, romance options or having, like, the ability to, like, 
you know, do some of those more like, you know, non um, moment to moment gameplay stuff that often makes JRPGs sticky, you know? And I think like when I think about um, the JRPGs that like I've really, really connected with, I was talking about this on Nintendo Nights the other day. Um, those are the things that, that make them stick with me, right? Or like characters that I really fall in love with, the ability to make choices, the ability to feel like my actions are impacting the world overall, like... I would love to see the world of Pokemon get that treatment and get to like have a game. I feel that... like that is every JRPG, and it's just sure. Pokemon that doesn't get it because it's like yeah, my first JRPG. And that's yeah. the thing, though, not every JRPG gets it right. It's the the really good ones. There's plenty of JRPGs that don't engage in those kinds of systems and don't have as much style or you know. Um, like, but the really successful ones that aren't Pokemon that stick out all seem to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and like I, that's really what I want. You know, like I want to see, um, a studio that isn't Game Freak or you know, uh, a a Pokemon game that has the ability to kind of like break out of some of those things that I've that like I think have made it feel, you know, um, limited. You know, like it, it always feels like it's yeah. like it's just it doesn't have as much time to develop or breathe and like the level of attention to detail that like Persona 5 put into like its menus, right? And how stylish everything is. Like I'd love a Pokemon game that had that much time to breathe. You know, like that that would be a good like, like after I like, love to the after battle that. animation in that game. Oh my god. So good. You know. It's it's good stuff. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Is it them thematically? the same game as a, a Pokemon game of old? Or are you introducing more adult elements? Are we going to be fusing Pokemon together and chopping their heads off? No, 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 no. I'd say I'm I'm fine to, um, to definitely get away from things that are quote-unquote traditional, but I feel like I'd love to, like, have the ability to explore the world more, you know, and, like, not literally explore the world. You know, like, I love the way that Shibuya feels alive, right, in Persona 5, where it's like you unlock a new part of the city and there's like all these new places for you to explore and you can meet new characters and like, you know, oh, like you go I on became... vacation. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. And like, you know, stuff like where it's like, oh, I became friends with like the fortune teller that I met downtown or I went to the church and I met this person. Like, I like having the ability to like have. I like the idea of a game that like allows you to really like have it feel like a lived in world and not like you're just talking to NPCs, right? Like I want the characters I meet to have personality and backstory and I want to be able to like see them grow and change and help them and you know like not just called bug, bug catcher Billy or youngster. Right, you know, and like Tom. You know, and like like tapping into some of the like emotionality that has been shown in like the Pokemon anime or the manga and like some of those things, right? Like, it's a rich world for storytelling, and it feels like it's kind of like gotten so on the rails that there's not enough room for that anymore. Even the first game, right? Like, or the earlier games, I should say, like have more little side stories and like just things that happen, you know, rather than like oh, it's this game's big event, and then there's this one, and the, then the legendary, and okay. You know, it's like, it just feels like it's gotten so formulaic. It would be really cool to see them, like, you know, the, I don't think the core gameplay needs to change, right? Like, the Pokemon battles and collecting, like, that has always felt good, and it still feels good, and there's ways to continue to build and innovate on that, as Arceus, show, you know, has shown us, but I think, like, story and character and and, you know vibe art direction style those are the things that i really feel like it is lacking in and i think like a studio like atlas or intelligent systems you know um that's shown that they can make a game that has that great loop that has those cool social sim features that has the ability to um give you other things to do in the world that make it feel more lived in than just the core gameplay loop you know mm-hmm what else have you got? Because like the all I all I could think of was like loose ideas for games, and they're all stuff I've spoken about before. It's like merge this with this, and it's like you know, it's not too interesting. The studios I thought about were really just like studios I considered to be technically top of their game. People like 
turn 10, like what they've just shown with Forza Motorsport, I think is like next level. If they can get ray tracing running at 60 frames per second on track, it's going to look amazing. That's a big if, because obviously the game doesn't, exi- doesn't exist in anyone's hands yet. Insomniac, I feel like on the PlayStation side of things, their open world exploration in Spider-Man and the way the like linear gameplay uh, was in um, Ratchet and Clank, second to none as far as I'm concerned. Those games just felt amazing. So I think if anyone's building a platformer, they should be taking cues from either Insomniac or Nintendo. I felt like those are the two companies that make 3D platformers the best at this point. Um, Double Fine did a great job with Psychonauts 2, but I feel like, yeah, Ratchet and Clank, nothing's come close to it for me. Yeah, I mean, in- Insomniac, there's something in the water over there, you know? <laughs> I think the most interesting thing about them is how much how much they're able to churn out really, really solid, like, eight, nine level games, but they never seem to hit the 10. I don't feel like they've quite done that yet, even though... A Spider-Man's like a 10 for me, but it's like, I'm yeah, biased. I feel like, a, a, but I feel like some of it is they need an editor to go in there at the end and just be more liberal with the, the like, cutting blade. Because I feel like the biggest complaint I've heard about Spider-Man are those those lab puzzles, right, that no one seems yeah, to enjoy not, and everyone skips. They're not fun. Just take them out. If they weren't there, I feel like, and it was more about the the linear gameplay and like the focusing on the exploration of the of the city and not having to go back to the lab all the time to to do that shit then then great i mean i've only done two of those puzzles and i didn't think they were that bad but i, I didn't i didn't really care for uh i didn't really care for them but i did love the puzzles that they put into ratchet and clank the environmental puzzles with the where you're playing as clank uh and it's like the You've got to move the balls around. Did yeah, you yeah. Do, do many of those? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did. I, I did all of any of them because I want to always want to get the trophy, right? Because um, I need that platinum. So I played all those mm-hmm. stupid things in Spider-Man, even though I didn't care for them. So, so you've <laughs> identified those studios. You can't think of something you'd want to do with them, though. Like, there's not like, not with like, uh, like I'd say give them a franchise, right? Like, I think it would be amazing to see what they could do with say a fallout that's not a bethesda fallout because i feel like bethesda took fallout and then took out a lot of what was interesting about it for fallout 3 and obsidian put some of it back in for fallout new vegas and like some of that remained for fallout 4 but a lot of the role playing was taken out you you were just you there was no real like yeah you had the special system but it wasn't like uh or even like the studio behind Disco Elysium, um, I feel like getting them to do like a, a turn-based Fallout game would be so cool. I'd love to see them do if if you were gonna give them like a license thing, they should make a D and D game. You finally have a good Dungeons and Dragons game. We're getting a good Dungeons and Dragons game. There's like Boulder's Gate coming out from from Larian. That's true. Um, who make um, uh, Divinity Original Sin? That's gonna be phenomenal when it comes. Yeah, I'm sure that will be good. Um, but I mean, like, I just, I feel like D&D yeah, proper, like you just want it to be called cool. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. 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 And like, and not an action game, not a top down, like Diablo, like kind of like, it's like, no, like no, they, it, that's not, that's not what Baldur's Gate is. That's Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance. Baldur's that's Gate true. is that's what I know. <laughs> traditional CRPG. CRPG. Like it's, it's back to its roots. It is D&D. You're rolling dice basically. And that's what Divinity Original Sin is. Yeah. If you want to play those games, let me know because I'll play Divinity with you. I would Fantastic do that. Game. Yeah, we could do that. Um, yeah, and like, don't get me wrong, I'm interested in that for sure. Um, and th- is that the one that's in early access? Uh, Baldur's Gate is in early access, yeah, and I refuse to play it until Bal- it's finished. It's Baldur's. <sighs> no, and that's the traditional CRPG, though. You're Baldur's Gate Three, yes. The What's traditional the other one CRPG? I'm thinking of? There's another game that's like it looks like Dragon Age, basically, where there's like a lot of like you pick dialogue options and like it's just called Dark Alliance. Okay. So it was Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance back on the PlayStation. But now era. they're just it's calling now it called, Dark Alliance. Yeah, it's now just called Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. And and is, isn't is it Dark out. Alliance Three though, or is it not? No, they rebooted it. It's just called Dark Alliance, and it, it does look like a Diablo game, but then you have, like, the large faces talking. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that game's but been yeah, that one's just for called Dark Alliance, and it looks yeah. really good. That, that's not. Yeah, out, right? I don't know. I I kind of want to feel like I've, it is out. I I played a little bit and I got confused with the menus, and then I and then I gave up. I kind of want to just play Dark Alliance two again, like the old school ones from the PS two era. They were great. Okay, so it did it did come out. Oh, it did not get good. Did not get good scores. Nah, is this the game I'm thinking of, though, or no? Maybe not. I have no idea what game you're talking about. I presumed it was that one because you were talking about Baldur's Gate. I don't think it is. No, this isn't it. I don't know what game I'm thinking of. This is going to drive me crazy. <laughs> I got to ask. Have you play any of those old, um, those old, like, Infinity Engine games? No, it was only... Like Black Isle? No, no, not really. Um, so, okay, wait. So, I got one more. So I this is more original because it's not like let's just take an existing video game franchise and like make a version of it. That's what I want. Uh, I would love to take a team at Bioware and make a Avatar The Last Airbender game. Actually, I have two licensed properties uh, I would fuck with from them. Uh, Avatar you know, The Last so Airbender I- or X-Men would both be good. And I have a very clear pitch for how this works. So with Ava- any, do you feel like anyone has ever has like before you get onto it? Sorry, do you feel feel like the teams that make the games that that you liked are still there? They're still a Bioware. So or do some you feel of like they are, went and moved on? But I don't think that matters. Um, I think that like so there's the whole uh, there's the whole mantra right of like. Uh, Studios don't make games, people make games, right? So it's like the name Bioware doesn't necessarily like mean anything if the people change. That's true to some degree, but I also think that to believe that wholly ignores the reality of how franchises work, right? Where like, you know, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko created Spider-Man, right? But there have been a lot of really good Spider-Man stories that they had no part in. And like no, no, yeah, yeah, of course, but like look, in terms of gameplay, Fallout and Fallout 2, not the same game as Fallout 3, a different studio, different and they bought the franchise, and it, it, it took over, but I don't know, I feel like if, this, if the same people were working on it, we probably would have got Fallout 3 that looked like the first two Fallouts, and, and we can see the game that, that, that they made, it was Anthem, and I don't think people liked it all that much and then the sequel to like the latest mass effect game didn't land very well right like yeah, do you like, feel that they're capable of making the game like the old school games that I, you love yeah i definitely do um i think that all of those like there's a lot of reasons why those games didn't turn out right and like yeah like anthem is a is like has a bunch and obviously yeah, jason and, and it in his book so does so does andromeda um so, like, and I, I think the, the thing is, right, like, in this scenario, right, like, I want to make a game that's inspired by those games, right, the good ones, and there are a lot of people just like me who love those games, think they're the best games ever made, and would be like, I just want this, but new, and it doesn't, like, would I love to have a couple of veterans from those games come out and be on the team? Absolutely. But I also don't think that that's necessary to make the same kind of game well, you know, personally. Because um, that's the thing, right? Like, you look at, like, Mario, right? Like, how many folks have had a hand in making great Mario games, right? Like, there's, yes, like, there are some IP that it's like you can only have it made by the original person. But I'm also not necessarily trying to do that, right? Like, I'm thinking, like, I no, want to no, make no, a that's fine. game yeah. in the style, I, I get. you know? Um, and I also feel like it's it's worth like pointing out that if if people like you grew up playing those games and loved them and then a handful of them turned into developers and then wanted to make those games. Right. Exactly. They probably would have wanted to look to go to a studio that made those games in the exactly. first place. And that's that's the whole thing for me, right? Is like in this scenario where I have infinite budget and I'm running the show and I can attract the right talent, then yeah, I absolutely think that's a, a possible and not only possible, absolutely doable. And that's my hope for Dragon Age 4, right? Let's, you know, Dreadwolf, let's go, baby. Um, but for Avatar, I feel like... Uh, 
X-Men's an easier pitch, right? Like, you could easily have it be like, you choose to either be a member of the X-Men or a member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, Brotherhood, and you are at school, you're learning to control your powers, you're going through this whole story, there's a conflict between the two sides, like, super, it's basically that game, I think it was like X-Men... Oh, I forget what it's called. But there was a game that was supposed to be this, and it was just hot garbage. Like, it was just not a good game. Um, I think Bioware could easily crush that. Avatar, I think, would honestly be more interesting because I think you could very easily have a similar structure to uh, the way that Dragon Age Origin works where, like, you choose at the beginning. You're like, okay, like, you're, you're an Avatar. You're the new Avatar, and you decide... Do you start as a firebender, an earthbender, an airbender, or a waterbender? And then the whole first game is literally you becoming the avatar, going to the different four nations, learning how to control your powers, and, you know, like, you get the four different fighting styles, and then something happens, and that's, you know, the end of that conflict, and it sets up the next game where you're you have total control over your ability and then you can start exploring the whole world. And like, there's all, there's so many things you can do in that universe because you have such distinct landmarks and cultures and like, there's the whole spirit realm of it all. And it's like, you could go way far back in time and have it be pre-war. You could have it be during the, not during the war. Cause that wouldn't work if you want to be the avatar. Um, but post-war and have it like in the more like Korra, like future era where it's more steampunky. There's like a lot that you could do there. And I think the whole uh, <clears throat> Dragon Age approach of letting you pick one and then decide on their personality and have it be like an unvoiced character with like a ton of dialogue options so you can really kind of granular- granularly control like who is my avatar? Are they you know, like, stern and serious, are they jokey and lighthearted, like, I want to be able to really get in the minutia of, like, who my character is, and, like, you know, that's another core element of every Avatar franchise, right, is, like, they have, like, a team of characters around them, they have, like, the love interest, they've got the best friend, they've got the the villain who becomes a good guy, right, like, all those kinds of things, and, like, you can go through that same process of building out a squad of folks around your character having some really meaningful supporting cast that can like follow you on your journey and you know um and kind of just like do what they did for star wars with knights of the old republic but with avatar and i feel like that would be a fucking slam dunk um and i would i would love to do that and in addition to bioware i would want to also have uh, Brian and Michael, the co-creators of Avatar, want to have them executive produce. You know, they got to sign off on everything. They got to make sure we're keeping things, you know, true to the to the spirit of the lore and everything like that. But I feel like I would nail that. I read the books. You know, I, I got I got their their deluxe uh, creators guide, and I read all about the creation. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. You know, I feel like I could I could helm that vision well. Hmm. You ever play ever played Kotor two? No, I've I've only played Kotor one, and I didn't finish it. I tried to play it like years later, and it was like a little like ah, it's a little dated. Like I oh, they're doing the remake though, aren't they? They've I'm done very the remasters the that's remake. come out. Yeah, the remasters come out on um, Switch. On Switch, yeah. Well, Kotor two's coming to Switch as well, but that I was curious because that's uh, an Obsidian game. As yeah. To, uh, whether there was a difference between like the Bioware version and the Obsidian version. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of folks I think think that two is better, I, but I don't. I don't. I couldn't say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, two two is like a a proper Dungeons and Dragons style D twenty uh, system game. It's very weird. It's Obsidian and, and Star thing. Wars Dungeons and Dragons game. Yeah, they love. They love. Yeah, it movies. is, they and they do it so movies. well. Them and Larian do do them so well. Them and also the studio uh, that made Disco Elysium. I think it's Studio Zom or something like that. Um, really, really good. Like I feel like uh, at, at Disco could like the the team behind Disco nailed it with the choices and the the level of things you Literally could do. Perfect. Like playing Hobo Cop, you just get in the mindset. I want every game to give me that level of role-playing opportunity, right? Like, that's the thing. And that's the problem is people want voice protagonists, and voice protagonists are the enemy of good role-playing. No, I I agree with you. 
Um, you just I did like the voices in Fallout 4, but yeah, I agree with you. I, f- I feel like removing them for Starfield is the, the correct choice. You have to, I think, to really make it work. To like, un- Unless you're going to go be in, and like, we're going to voice 10 fucking options to every question you ever encounter. Like, it's just not... You get stuck in the whole, like, Mass Effect thing, where it's like, are you a good guy? Are you a bad guy? That's two two options. It's also really boring to hear them talk sometimes. Like, I've read the text on the screen. Just, like, give me the response back. Like, I know what I'm going to say to you. I don't need to, to you to say it again. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that was a really, really good question. Really good question. Yeah, great I'm question. I'm sorry, I had, I had terrible answers, but yeah, really good question. You wouldn't even let me get through my pitch. You're like, can you, do you even think Bioware can make the game? It's like, let me have my dream, Steve. You know, let me have my dream. You can't even come up with one. You're like, ah, but I'm going to poke holes in your dream. <laughs> I'm sorry. You rat bastard. <laughs> yeah, this is a great question. Uh, oh, a bunch of great questions today. Thank you to everybody who wrote in. Um, I really like doing these grab bag kind of like question block episodes. So uh, make sure you're writing again for next week's show. Uh, because, hey, it's a quiet season, so keep them coming. I'll, I'll do as many of these as y'all folks want to listen to. These are a good time for us. So uh, thank you guys again for tuning in to this week's episode of the Flip Screen Games podcast. Remember, if you want to uh, show your support, head over to patreon.com slash flipscreengames. You can get the show early. You can get exclusive access to one more thing. You can get your name read on the air. You can do all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, but if you don't have any money to toss our way, head over to flipscreen.games. That's our website where you can find links to our Discord where we've got a uh, fun, inclusive community where uh, a bunch of fun, cool gamers like you are out there talking video games, keeping the conversation rolling after the episode ends, all kinds of good stuff over there. Uh, we'd really love for you to come and be a part of it. You can also follow us on Twitter at flipscreengames. Keep up with all the stuff we're doing wherever we're doing it. Uh, you can also write into the show, questions at flipscreen.games. We have a questions thread on the Discord every week. Um, we throw it up on the, the Twitter sometimes as well. However you choose to write in, we would greatly appreciate it. If you would send a question, your ideas for a main topic, your thoughts on anything we discussed today, you know, or if you just want to say hi, you can do that too. We always appreciate hearing from you. So that's my challenge to you, listener. If you've never written in, if it's been a while since we've heard from you, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. So... The Flip Screen Games Podcast. I've been Pete. He's been Steve. We'll see you next week. Take it easy, baby.